truth is I don't need Matt. Yes. I'm going to start my own show with Shugoths and Huggers. Here we go. I'm so happy you could join me today. Today, on The Joy of Horror, we're going to paint an eldritch abomination. Let's start by having them run all of the colors you're going to need across the bottom of the mirror in your bathroom. Let's start with a smidge of blood orange here, in the middle of the canvas. We're going to paint a happy little eyeball. Happy little eyeball of the seeing one. It's happy because it sees the weakness in your character. Now let's take our brush and make some long horizontal strokes across the top, laying down some occult gray. And up here, we want the indication of a happy little cloud in the sky. For this, we're going to pick up a little shit brown on our brush and tap it in with a stabbing, hateful motion. Now take just a touch, just a touch of titanium white and apply it to your lips and say the word we all know we're not to say. Soft. You can probably hear how hard I'm scraping the canvas right now. That's because I'm imagining that it is someone I once loved. Okay. Now we're going to paint an almighty horror. Now barely touch the canvas. This is such a gentle touch. Gentle, gentle, gentle. That's right. Just the tips of the fingers are caressing it now. And we're calling it dear. I can hear what you're thinking at me, listener. What do you mean you cannot follow the painting because you cannot see the painting? Why are you consuming this show if you have not already cultivated the spiritual sight? Blood of the gods, fine. I reason that I will simply have to describe the horror to you in words. Dogs have been popular. Cats, however, are afraid of them. Dogs will hunt them down and tear them up, but cats, at best, can be a sort of alarm system for you. So when I wake up randomly at two in the morning and the cat is AWOL from the foot of the bed, it's hard not to imagine something about to tickle my leg or my ribs. Sometimes I have to turn the light on and check. We'd been lucky. We didn't have one in our house all through the first year that their population exploded. But in the winter, I had one of those nights when I woke up in the dark with the cat missing from the corner of the bed and the house dead silent and I had a suspicious feeling. I sat up and listened, and I didn't hear anything moving in the house. I got up and I went to the bathroom. When I came out, in the dim light that the bathroom cast toward the hallway outside the bedroom, I saw my first one of these things there on the carpet, couched like a spider, looking just as everyone said, as all the pictures on the internet had looked just like a male human hand sitting there by itself. I took up the brick that we kept by the bed and tried to smash it, 
but it skittered at my telling flinch like a fly that just barely avoids the swatter. And I only struck one knuckle. Then it disappeared into the house. The wife woke up wondering what was wrong. I knew when I told her she wouldn't sleep the rest of the night, but she had to know it was loose in the house. I showed her the smear of blood on the brick. As early as I could the next morning, I called an exterminator. Meanwhile, the cat skulked about in the corners with wide yellow eyes, but I didn't see her most of the day. She came out tentatively for her food bowl or the cat box and disappeared again. The exterminator came early in the afternoon. He went through the house all afternoon and could not find the hand. He left some traps but could not leave poison because of the cat, and he was forced to give up for the time being around four in the afternoon. Kinsey would not be happy. She wouldn't sleep for a month now, I bet and I'd probably be up each night with a baseball bat here on out. In fact, it was worse than that. Kinsey refused to sleep in the house at all and went to her mother's. Since the exterminator was so little help, I was compelled to stay behind and try to kill it myself when it should come out again. I did not like this much. It was a little different from the wife just asking you to kill a gnarly spider for you. I set myself up in bed with the brick and the baseball bat, and I kept the light on. For several hours, I stayed up reading. I thought I might pull an all-nighter, because if I could catch the thing on the first night and get it done with, it would be worth the cut of my sleep. Around eleven, however, my eyes went bleary and I nodded off while reading. I woke up spontaneously shortly thereafter, because my body remembered the terror and I forced myself awake and sat up again. I looked around at the floor. The reading lamp cast long shadows from the bed and the dresser. Everything was silent. I lay back and I took a deep breath. I closed my eyes only for a moment, I told myself. Moments later, at the brushing sound of a small movement, they shot open again, and I sat forward to examine the floor. I lay back again, seeing nothing. Then the thing under the comforter moved forward by a couple inches. I had hardly begun to react when it surged toward me, and the fingers found my ribs touching me as if just to touch me, and, throwing the covers aside, I leapt out of the bed, already clutching the bat. The hand was palm up on the mattress, flailing like an upturned insect trying to right itself. I wailed on it, but the mattress was too soft. The bat only pressed it into the mattress with each strike, and eventually... It took advantage of a transient grip on the bat to flip itself over and begin to run. It went off the far side of the bed. I clambered over the bed and went after it. It made the closet before I could catch it, and I was soon batting aside my wife's shoes and hat boxes digging for it. The hand wasn't with the shoes or hat boxes. I waited and listened. Then I started batting the hanging shirts. The hand fell out and ran toward me on the floor. I screamed and shook it off my bare foot. I finally hit it hard against the floor, breaking some of its bones. It crawled now with difficulty, and I was able to beat it until it stopped moving. Kinsey came back from her mom's when the cat came out the next day. We didn't have another instant for about a month, in which time we slowly lapsed back into a sense of normalcy and security. As long as the cat wasn't acting weird. 
We took it for granted we were okay. However, there was some tension between us at the time. And due to a course of events I don't want to describe here, I ended up sleeping downstairs on the couch. Of course, at about midnight, it hit me it would be a bad night for a hand to turn up again. As I was alone, and all exposed on the couch without the cat to be my lookout. And Kinsey had the cat, presumably. But she was also alone. And a part of me was now waiting for her scream to come piercing the air. At two, I woke up being touched all over, but quickly realized I had been woken by a dream. The second night I was on the couch, I again slept fitfully. The brick and the bat had both been left to my wife, but I had an old college anatomy and physiology textbook and a kitchen knife on the coffee table. Three times I woke up from a stress dream of hands touching me. I woke up a fourth time. I had been sleeping on my belly. The sheet felt heavy between my legs. I said the cat's name. All was still and silent. I waited. I prepared to reach for the book at the first sign of motion. I made a tentative movement to test whether anything stirred. I raised my hips and set them down again. Nothing moved, but I still had this sense of a slight weight in the cover. The light switch was not as near as I would have liked. I pushed myself up to make a quick move for the light. The sheet fell off my back and down onto my calves. The flitter of fingers in the tangled-up sheet against my legs raised a yell for me as I tried to extricate myself from the sheet and reach the light switch. The hand found the back of my bare thigh. The frantic, articulating fingers felt around, fumbling toward the inside of my thigh. I fell palms down onto the carpet as the sheet still tangled my feet, and I tried to kick it off and reach around for the hand all at once. In this moment, I felt a knuckle sink into my anus. I grabbed the hand and pulled it away. I threw it hard against the wall and it fell onto the carpet, immediately running off. I lost it behind the love seat. By the time I pulled the love seat forward, it had moved on somewhere else. Taking the textbook, I ran up to the bedroom. In the hallway, I saw another one. I didn't think it was the same one. It was unlikely it could have made it so far. It ran into the shadows of the hall bathroom as I came into the bedroom. My wife moaned as I threw open the cracked door, casting light from the hallway onto the bed. Kinsey writhed in the sheets and moaned my name. I shouted hers. She snapped out of a daze and stared at me like I was a ghost. Robert? She wondered. And she screamed and threw the covers from her, still screaming and thrashing now. One hand slipped off her breast and fell to the floor. Another tumbled out from another place onto the mattress, and I held it down under the book. Still, Kinsey was screaming. She hadn't noticed that they had been two right hands. The next morning, I went into the crawl space with a flashlight, a large bug net, and a roughly two-foot scrap of two-by-four as my armament. Under the downstairs bathroom, nestled in the corner and wrapping around the pipes, I found the gauze-like sack hanging, full of nearly mature hands, Maybe several dozen male hands, clearly grasping and articulating under the surface. I showed the exterminator when he came, and he destroyed it. He explained to me how the hands reproduced. Like spiders, he said. Because that's basically what they are, right? 
However, the expert didn't know the whole story. Nobody did then, because we might have been the first. We didn't know what else the hands could do until my wife's first ultrasound. I believe we have a finished painting. It's that easy. I really hope that you've enjoyed it. It's a really simple painting of terror that you can do. And if you try to paint a horror like this one, I'd like to see some photographs of what ineffable madness you create. Share your visual abominations with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or even DeviantArt. I will share our favorites with everyone. From all of us here, I'd like to wish you all monsterbaters happy horroring. Not whoring, but horroring. But hey, unlike the angels in heaven, we have free will, and you can make your own choices. Remember, there are no mistakes, just happy accidents when it comes to your mom's birth control. And the God of sight and eyes bless you, my friend. Until next time. Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warp Box Media with support from viewers like you.